2: hi there. Here we are again.
3: The Rage, out for blood too.
2: <laughs> Back in the habit.
3: Back in the studio.
2: Oh, you know what? I do sort of miss those early days recording all the interviews in your flat with all the traffic and the drunk people outside. And
3: inside, and yes. in- <laughs> <laughs> Well, those were the days. We, we've actually moved. Since you time. have
2: moved. How's that working out? It's
3: delightful, yeah. Um, I don't think that's why we're here, though, is it? No, I want to hear more about your house. Okay, sure. <laughs>
2: No, that's not. You're right. That's not why we're here. No. We are back for one night only.
0: One night only.
2: Thank you. One night only for a special bonus catch up episode. Can you
3: believe that it's been over two years since we released our first episodes about For Blood?
2: It's madness. It is chaos. I can't believe it. It I is refuse. true.
3: I've checked. And what a roller coaster it's been.
2: When we first started planning this, we thought that we'd maybe get like five listeners.
3: Yeah, me, you, you again, <laughs> my mum, Tom. Maybe.
2: I wasn't planning to listen to it, to be honest. Yeah. Thanks, Tom. Um, It turned out that something weird happened. The show just kind of took off so many people from all around the world, downloaded our little podcast, and seemed to sort of kickstart a new conversation about Carrie.
3: They're still downloading it now. So thank you to everyone who has supported the show and for continuing to spread the word. We love you all. But why are we back today?
2: Well, if you've downloaded this today on Monday the 13th of February, know that today it's exactly 35 years since the first ever preview of Carrie the Musical up in sunny Stratford upon Avon.
3: By the Westfield?
2: No, as previously discussed, that's the other Stratford.
3: Although that's not quite true, right?
2: You are right. February the 13th, 1988 was the scheduled first performance of Carrie, Mm. Uh. but that show was actually cancelled because, according to articles in the local press, the show wasn't quite ready, would you believe?
3: You do surprise me. That's right. According to this article, which I have personally saved from the Birmingham Evening Mail, it's a letter from a very angry man called Mr. P. Bisson from Redditch. Uh, There was a total, quote, lack of consideration shown by the RSC, Mm. who cancelled the performance with very little notice. This
2: is the kind of detail we like on Out for Blood. Can we get Mr. P. Bisson on the show?
3: If anyone can track (laughs) Mr. P. Bisson, or is indeed himself, please get in touch.
2: Email us, Mr. Bisson. So, We may be a day or two off, but we felt it was important to mark the occasion. And anyway, the show did get its official opening press night on Thursday, the 18th of February. So we're not that far off.
3: And we all know the repercussions of that chaotic night. See episode three for further details. But surely it can't be 35 years. I was yet to be born for at least another 20.
2: Sure. I mean, it's true. Carrie the Musical is now as old as someone with a mortgage and children. Speaking of children, uh, we have a new member of the gang. I did wonder who that was in the corner. Yes. Hello.
3: Milk enthusiast, <laughs> Broadway fan, <laughs> and <laughs> my progeny, Anirin, John David, Morgan Moss.
2: Hi, baby. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah.
3: yeah. It's one Whoa. hell of a name, isn't it? Get ready for people saying your name wrong, which is thematically relevant to the podcast.
2: What else is celebrating a birthday today? It's only our editor, Tom.
3: I was going to say Jerry Springer <laughs> and Stockard Channing, according to Birthdaypedia, but sure.
2: Birthdaypedia. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Happy birthday, Tom. Birthday. Thank you. Thank you for coming in on your birthday to edit this nonsense, because we're obviously going out live. Yes.
3: <laughs> Any other things that are 35 this month?
2: Um, well, I've actually sadly lost my login to Birthdaypedia, but a quick Bye. Google um, and it's it's less popular sister site Wikipedia <laughs> tells me the Winter Olympics opened in Calgary, Canada, 35 years ago today as well.
3: Sports facts. Yeah, we
2: love sports here on the pod. <laughs>
3: Just diversifying that audience. Yeah.
2: Hashtag sports. <laughs> um, Tom, anything else? Bruce Springsteen's Tunnel of Love tour started in Worcester, Massachusetts. Yep. Okay, sure. There you go. Thanks, Tom. Um, yeah. Yeah.
3: It's not, it's not... <laughs> It feels weird to be shading you for having a niche interest when we're doing this podcast.
2: (laughs) It's like people are interested in other stuff. I
3: know, imagine. Anyway, But basically what we're saying is that Carrie the Musical was the key event of 1988. That's our takeaway, isn't it? I think that's
2: what we've been saying all along. Probably the entire 80s, to be honest.
3: Absolutely. My birth... (laughs) Your birth. Not important. No. Uh, But isn't it amazing, though, that a show that has been declared a flop by many is still being talked about all these years later? That's sort
2: of what we found fascinating all along, isn't it? What was it about this show in particular that caught the imagination of people to keep it in the... Zeitgeist. The Zeitgeist. I've always wanted to say that word. There we go. Mm -hmm. Well, I hope we've played a little part in introducing this unique musical and the story of its creation to a new generation of theatre fans.
3: And of course, we were so lucky to meet some Carrie heroes along the way. What have they been up to?
2: Yeah, a lot has been going on. Firstly, isn't it nice to see theatres back up and running almost pretty much as normal again. Yeah,
3: because when we were recording our original episodes, we were in and out of lockdowns and theatres all over the place
2: kept having to close. It was a bit bittersweet. We were all sort of missing theatre, but of course it did mean that all of those amazing people involved in the show over the years were at home and sort of really excited just to get a chance to talk about Carrie and theatre and the community that they loved.
3: Yeah, very strange time. Well, the Carrie alumni have been popping up all over the place. They
2: have, that's right, lovely. Lindsay Hately returned to a role that she hadn't played for 30 years.
3: Carrie White is it happening not quite I mean that
2: would be incredible she returned as the narrator in Yay. Joseph which she first played way back in 1991 just three years after Carrie Close
3: and also her daughter lovely Meg Hately is now in Mamma Mia oh, yes. yeah a show
2: which her mum has been in amazing let's start a petition to get them both in it at the same time
3: with a share cameo
2: it could happen <laughs> I saw Sally Ann Triplett, original uh, Sue, in a rather excellent production of Cabaret in Paris. Because oh, I'm so posh, so
3: posh, and she was in Billy Elliot, which I heard yes. loads of great things about. Yeah. Now I believe you may have been up to a couple of things these last two years as well, because we've obviously not
2: seen each other in that interim period. (laughs) We only ever communicate in this small recording studio. That's what I've requested, Uh, yeah. (laughs) While you were busy having a human baby and other such exciting grown-up things, Mm. I just basically kept continuing to talk to people about Carrie the Musical, to people on the street and whoever would listen, really.
3: Yeah, you had a baby of your own. (laughs) I suppose you could call that. Very similar process.
2: (laughs) Well, our lovely social media followers kind of know this already. But very excitingly, I've written an actual book about Carrie the Musical. An actual full book. This is the dream. It is a bit. How did it happen? Well, you'll remember during the podcast, I mean, not to give away our um, behind-the-scenes secrets, but we we sort of didn't record everything before we released it, right? So as the episodes were being released, loads of people connected to the show just kept appearing and kept putting us in touch with more and more people. Mm, Yeah,
3: we basically unlocked the Carrie floodgates.
2: Yeah, and because we'd sort of told the story of the show chronologically, it was hard for us to add people into into the podcast at the wrong moment. We tried. We did try. We had some recaps and many bonus episodes. And anyway, there were all these extra people and and new stories to tell. And the end of lockdown meant that, you know, archives and libraries were all back open. So I was really lucky. I got to look at old technical drawings and listen to recorded interviews and all sorts of geeky carry stuff.
3: Yeah, I remember you being very excited about a trip to
2: Stratford, not the Westfield one. (laughs) I did. I spent far too long sort of poring over old newspapers surrounded by lots of very academic looking people researching Very important Shakespearean. (laughs) (laughs) There there I was, reading about Carrie. Uh, And anyway, combined with, you know, literally hundreds of hours of interviews that we three had recorded back in the day, Mm. it sort of felt like there was a bigger story to tell about the creation of the show and not to be fancy, about the cultural context of of why it became so well-known despite its short life. Absolutely. Any juicy secrets? (gasps) Well, I can't possibly say. You'll have to read it. Oh, yes. What a
3: tease. So what you're saying is... You found out where the unitards are stored.
2: Don't tell them. But there is a whole chapter just about the unitards location. I've cracked it. No, it's about more than unitards.
3: (laughs) Is that the uh, for the cover?
2: (laughs) (laughs) This book is about more than unitards. (laughs) And when do I get my complimentary copy? Well, you can pre-order it from wherever you get your books from mm. sounds quite professional. doesn't it it does yeah i mean local bookstores are obviously excellent so they should be able to get hold of it for you um but it comes out in the summer you can get it from the publisher Bloomsbury's website and pretty much anywhere you get your books from mm-hmm. shall i put a link in the show notes
3: so are you saying i i'm not going to get a free copy
2: well i only get a few and i have to give <laughs> well you know i have to give one to my mum i promised <laughs> a few other people Niall will probably want yeah. one yeah so I know, of course, you can have one half price. Will you sign it? What do you want me to write? Something inspirational. Don't waste the moon. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
3: But in all seriousness, can we come back and talk about it when it's out? I would
2: love to come back and talk about it when it's out. Ah. Anyway, I've got a ton of people that I need to thank for the help on the book. So why don't we do a little book club special in the summer?
3: Yes, let's do it. Carrie, book club. I will bring the wine. Again. <laughs>
2: Uh, no, uh, I'm so glad you can actually drink wine again because oh that was god. a dull nine months. It was really dull, oh, wasn't
3: yeah. it? Oh my god! Um, I'd also just like to say how immensely proud of you I am for oh, for writing this
2: book. Thank you. Well, I mean, it's all because of you guys. We wouldn't, I would not have been able to do it without the help of you two and all of your many hours spent chatting about Carrie the Music. Oh
3: gosh, <laughs> gosh, gosh! Okay. I'll have to swab the studio. Um, uh, but that, but that's not all of your Carry projects.
1: No, it's
2: been quite the year of, of Carrie for me. Morning, noon <laughs> and now. Finally got to direct my own production of the show. Ah, the year of Carrie. It has been the year of Carrie. There were points where Carrie was in my head every waking hour <laughs> of the day. It was a bit much, I'm not going to lie. Did you think you had magical powers? I did start to try and move things with the power of my mind only. <laughs> um, and and sometimes I thought it was working.
4: Oh my God. <laughs> it Look,
3: I I saw your production of you Carrie. Did. It was my shortly after giving birth, <laughs> which I can only thank you for. It was a hallucinogenic <laughs> experience. No, it, I I absolutely loved it. I thought that he, you. You, it was so wonderful, and it wasn't just because I was at the house. I promise, <laughs> <laughs> and I'd had just a wine. Fresh <laughs> no, it was it was absolutely tremendous. Um, and I did miss the cardboard cars. Oh, uh, and obviously you didn't cast Miss Carrie, so uh, oh, yeah. had to terminate our friendship briefly. I'm sorry about fine. that. Yeah. It
2: was obviously a difficult choice, but I think your childcare arrangement. Would have been too tricky. That's the only reason I didn't cast you as Carrie. Yeah, in the Yeah,
3: no, I I appreciate that. Yeah. but we if we if you let me know, we could have worked out something. You know, yeah. we could have disguised
2: Nye as a pig. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying Nye would have had to be in the show as well as you yes. playing 17 year old. Having just given birth. Who would play my mum? I mean, that would have definitely added a new dimension to the story. It's definitely an interesting interpretation. Is that, is that a baby? Is that a baby dressed as a pig? <laughs> someone would have done a podcast about it (laughs) exactly um no i mean it wasn't um, it was an amazing opportunity you know we've talked about both versions of Carrie so much on this show um and this of course the, the version you can license is the 2012 revival production um it was so much fun to dive into it and and alongside writing the book it really did give me a different perspective on the show and i'll tell you something Carry the mu- <laughs> turns out. Carry the musical is a hard show. Difficult, to do. huh? Yeah, it's a hard show. <laughs>
3: what was what were the main things you learned about it?
2: I mean, there were there were so many moments where you kind of ha- find yourself having to come up with solutions to a lot of those crazy situations that we've talked about, mm. right? And 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 we sort of, you know, we we joked about them a bit but, you know, how do you do all of those special effects? How do you do that blood drop several times a week <laughs> on your very expensive microphones and costumes? Mm. Um, you know, it's it's a, it's a challenge. And how do you rehearse a show which has those two very distinct worlds? Mm. Um, so even though it's very different to the show that, you know, Terry Hans and, and Debbie Allen and, and the writers worked on back in the 80s, which we all love so much, you know, I could well understand all of those challenges. Mm -hmm. And I started to understand the decisions that were made to change certain things in the revival. And of course, you know, we had different problems to tackle. We were a non-professional production in the sense that we all had day jobs to go to. And, you know, even then COVID was still floating about. We definitely didn't have a Broadway budget. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how do you put together this very challenging show with all of those different things laid on top of it? Um, but, you know, hundreds of people are now doing this show every year. And this is what we've found interesting all along, isn't it? Yeah. You know, the show that was deemed a flop is now mm. being performed all over the world and yeah. people are loving doing it. And so I feel finally very special to be part of that big club of of people who've worked on Carrie. Um, I think, you know, generally appreciated a lot more the intricacy of the music mm. and how the show is structured and how the characters interact. And, and definitely that all gave me a new perspective a new, refreshed love of Carrie the musical. I think. Mm, mm.
3: Are we allowed to talk about your idea with um how you how you did the telekinesis? Yeah, yeah. Uh, tell, tell tell the listeners about that because I thought it was really really interesting. This came
2: from um, a really interesting idea that Paul, our movement director, had. And mm. you know, we'd been talking about how to do. Um, The telekinesis in quite a small theatre space where, you know, strings would have been visible if we suddenly started floating things around Carrie. And we wanted to kind of come up with a a sort of interesting creative solution for it. Mm -hmm. So we had a fantastic uh, member of the cast called Polly, who is a really talented Uh, contemporary dancer Mm. and we she came to audition and we were only just talking about this this idea at the time that we'd kind of create a new character and we slightly pompously gave the new character a name the power i love it the power and the idea was that polly who was playing the power um would sort of be a sort of dark shadowy version of carrie and whenever the telekinesis was sort of brewing in carrie's mind polly would appear and she would kind of move things around for Carrie and mm. she would kind of reach out and slam the windows and throw the props around and it was really creepy and so it kind creepy. of gave the audience a bit of a shock every time she appeared and mm. I think you know um yeah it was a really interesting solution and directors all around the world have come up with different ways of doing it and there's no wrong or right answer but it was a really interesting kind of new dimension to explore I guess
3: so interesting and so visually affecting as well because I mean there's the styling you sort of styled her a bit like the girl from the ring yeah like it that was kind a of, bit like yeah. the Ring. yeah Which was really great, so it felt like, oh, we're tapping into another aspect of the horror the horror element of this story. The heritage of the piece. And
2: we sort of reflected you know, the costume that that Sadie, who um, was playing Carrie, her costumes were sort of mirrored in Polly's costumes in a sort of monochrome way. As Mm. if she'd been sort of she looked like she'd been dragged through a forest or something, but she was sort of streaky and bloody and, and black and white. And it was quite cool and I think it reintroduced a sense of that kind of horror. It, as you say, into the story, which is now quite a kind of psychological show rather than a flat-out bloody horror story. But um, yeah, it was fun to play with, definitely.
3: Definitely, and I think it kind of. Sorry, I'm I'm just really going to go off on one. Go one for one. it, <laughs> but like. If I was a real wanker, I might say that perhaps she represented the ego or the id or something. Ooh. Like you know, the fact that I, I don't know which one of those is which tells you how yeah. um, how much of a wanker I am. That I will
2: let's pretend that that's what we were that's what we were doing. Yeah,
3: that's what I know what I'm, I'm talking do. about. Not but just it's doing a spooky,
2: spooky, Gary. <laughs> a
3: spook, uh, spooky, Creepy bitch. Spooky, Gary. Uh, <laughs>
2: No, it was very fun. We we had that. We had lots of other fun stuff to do uh, on a budget. Yeah, but it was it. Yeah, it it was great fun, and we had the most amazing company. And mm. they were they threw themselves into it. They were all so much fun to work with. It was it was superb.
3: And we are very excited to have a couple of the lovely stars of Chris's Carrie here in the studio today. Ah, here they are. Yay! Hello. hello, hello. Yeah. <laughs> this is so exciting. <laughs>
2: Thank, Thank you, so you for much. joining us. Of course. Thank, Thank you. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. Well, mate, I think you should introduce yourselves first of all, so we know who we're speaking to. Yeah.
4: Hello, I'm Sadie. I uh, played Carrie in Chris's production of Carrie.
5: <laughs> ah. And I am Ellie and I played Sue in that production.
2: It's <laughs> so nice to see you guys. It's
4: nice so to see, see you. In
2: person. How are you? How are you doing?
4: Yeah, really well. New Good.
2: Year. Yeah, New Year, new you. <laughs> you <finally> well,
5: scr- <laughs> <if> we
4: try. Have <laughs> <We try.
2: laughs> you finally scrubbed the fake blood off your skin yet?
4: It took
5: about two months for my feet, but yes. <laughs> <You're laughs> it's uh, it. still on my shoe. I'm wearing the shoe. Are you? Are you
2: wearing it? Sue's shoes? I
5: am wearing <laughs> Sue's shoes. <laughs>
2: wow, that's a nice souvenir to have. Souvenir? <laughs> a souvenir, oh, who did that. there.
3: Incredible <laughs> funny, I love
2: it. <laughs> Well, thank you for joining us. We're going to grill you on what it's like to be in Carrie the Musical. Mm,
3: yeah. So, Sadie, you had some pretty big shoes to fill. Not blood-soaked ones <laughs> like Ellie. <laughs> Wait, you had some pretty big shoes to fill playing the role of Carrie. No um, kidding. Yeah. <laughs> what was it Was it like to play the role? I wouldn't know because Chris wouldn't let me do it. <laughs> it was rude of him, I thought.
4: Um, yeah, I did too. it it's just, it's such a huge part, mm. um, both kind of literally lots to learn, lots to do, but also it's an enormous thing. I've never been so vocally challenged yeah. in anything I've ever done. Um, and also it's very, um, very emotional and very, there's so much going on kind of in her internal life. Mm. Um, and it's also, it's funny, I'd listened, I'd listened to the podcast before we started <laughs> rehearsing. <Nice plug. laughs> just a little plug. Um. And and so I'd listened to Lindsay talking about what it was like for her and obviously very much not the same scale, but I, d- I did really relate to that feeling of it. it kind of feels like everyone else is doing Mean Girls and you're over in the corner doing a kind of Shakespearean drama <laughs> and you <Yeah. laughs> know, like a kind of tragedy. And so it's really funny because there's that vibe um, in rehearsal where like everyone's having this like fun, upbeat, <laughs> like silly time and you're just like quietly having a mental breakdown. Um, so yeah, it was really demanding, but it was really, it was such a fantastic experience. I'm so grateful to Chris for letting me do it. Wow. And it was, yeah, it was really really great
2: I mean you totally threw yourself into it I can't imagine how you managed not only to do the show in the end but to just rehearse it like you say it's just such an intense mm role to do it just kind of takes over your entire life for a few weeks
4: yeah absolutely and like someone who like was bullied a little bit at school as well like some of it was like revisiting stuff that I haven't thought about in a really long time and kind of getting back into that headspace and being like oh yeah that was really hard and really painful yeah yeah
2: Yeah. and I mean you had you were working with the fabulous Nina who I wish we could have here today but Nina played Margaret and the pair of you with just this kind of dynamic force of nature throwing each other around the stage so it was quite a physical role as well not just a kind of mental thing to get around but like very physical
4: Mm. and Nina was great and she we kind of very quickly realized we were completely on the same page and how we kind of understood what we were doing kind of together as a as a a duo in the piece and had a really kind of open lines of communication about what was okay what wasn't okay like where were kind of things coming from for each of us it was really um I've never I've never played a part that demanded that from me and it was um she she was the perfect partner to do it with it was great yeah mm.
2: definitely and ellie yes. what about sue? sue sue plays this kind of big role in this version of the show now
5: she does yeah um and i absolutely love sue it's interesting because when everyone wants to audition for cat Ka- for carrie people either be like i want to be carrie or, i want to be chris no one ever goes for sue And <laughs> i couldn't understand that because i only ever wanted to be sue i've known the show for like five years and ever since I listened to it I only ever wanted to be sue oh. and I I adore her I think she has this such such a beautiful arc and there's so much sense sincerity in mm. in her as a character so getting to play her was a dream so thank you so much as well no
2: <laughs> I mean uh, no again you were just fantastic and I think sue, sue kind of creates this thread through the story because she tells the story now yeah. really yeah. and she's always there on stage and kind of almost like an audience member, you know, she kind of watches and comments on what's going on. So again, it's, you know, you can't really escape from it. You're Mm -mm. sort of in every bit of it.
5: (laughs) Yes, and um, I got a, well, I got a little shout out from Christy Altamar who um, (gasps) played Sue in the... Uh, 2012 version, and she, in the shout-out she was just like, Sue's such a hard role because you go back and forth, you're happy, then you're sad it's tragic, and then it's great, yeah. and I was like do you know what, that's so true, and I think Sue gets a wrap of being like the wet one, but she's mm-hmm. not, she is, there's so much emotion in her, and that's why I loved it, but it was really challenging as well, but great role, yeah, love her oh, Amazing,
3: so Ellie, you, you knew the show, I did yeah. did you know the the revival, did you, did you have,
5: how much do you know about its sort of history beyond Honestly, actually, just the revival. Oh, I wow. didn't. I didn't know much about the history beyond t- uh, at all. Um, I think someone literally posted on Facebook. Oh, I got into Carrie in some other production and I was like what's well, Carrie like I know the book <laughs> yeah. but what's the musical so I listened to the revival and right. that's that's the one that I've known and loved mm-hmm. um, but then when I listened to your podcast I learned so much about the history <laughs> so <laughs> through you I've been educated <laughs> thank you
2: we were saying earlier you know people do this show now and they don't have as much knowledge of that mm-hmm. original production mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. you know is you know it, it means that that whole kind of flop thing that's loaded on to yes. carry isn't part of it no. really yeah. and i never so knew it was a people. flop yeah
5: never. i never knew that so to hear it i was like how how is this a flop <laughs> it's fantastic and then when i heard you guys talk about it i was like oh <laughs> <laughs> i now see yeah. once you see you can't once you see, <laughs> oh very <laughs> good <laughs> now
2: i don't know about you guys but i realized as i got into this that this show is very hard to do. This is no walk in the park. You know, or this is a highly technical show as well as all the kind of psychological and physical stuff. Mm. Um so Sadie, what would you kind of what advice would you give to anyone who's going into the show to play Carrie? And do you think you could have another thing that we've sort of talked about is how harder it is to do that role in particular for a long time because mm. you know there haven't really been many productions of Carrie that have lasted for you know years and years like mm. a like a long running Broadway type show do you think you could have sustained doing that every day
4: I have no idea <laughs> I I'm inclined to say no probably I, it was so by the end of the week it's just, it's just so draining and kind of in not dissimilar to Sue and like they mirror each other in a lot of quite interesting ways but I think um She has that just constantly being set up for the catastrophe Mm. and the way, especially once we started doing runs and once we started doing it in the space, I would find myself kind of forgetting what was going to happen because I'd be (laughs) trying to like keep it really in the moment and really like responding to what was happening as it was happening. And then you get to prom and I'd come to this front and look at Adam who played Tommy, who was wonderful. Look at Adam and just suddenly go, they're about to cover me in blood. (laughs) (laughs) I remember now. (laughs)
2: And,
4: and, um, yeah, and it is really—it's um, quite excruciating at times, and yeah. But it—but really thrilling as well. And I don't think—I think there aren't that many parts where you kind of explore the depths,
2: yeah, that yeah. we go to,
4: mm-hmm. and the heights that she gets to as well. Because in a way, she also has her perfect night before it all goes wrong. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and it, yeah, it was uh, yeah, very demanding, very and physic physical as well as we talked about, like constantly yeah. being thrown to the floor, mm-hmm. constantly yeah, being yeah. kind of shunned out of like every. <laughs> kind of possible opportunity and and relationship and all that kind of stuff it's just yeah it was intense man it was (laughs) intense
2: you kind of mentioned it there but maybe you can talk a bit about what it was that blood moment was like (laughs) and what that kind of you know because we this was not you know a professional production in the sense of you know we didn't have an unlimited resources we couldn't Mm -hmm. be on the stage for very long before the show started so we couldn't really rehearse that very much, could we? It was yeah. all kind of done on a bit of a wing and a prayer. What was it like kind of going into that whole whole part of the show?
4: Well, it was really interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about beforehand and yeah. then lead into it because it was an interesting kind of development. You decided very early on that it was going to be real liquid of some yeah. variety, yeah. not kind of confetti or lights. Or yeah. whatever. <laughs> um, And that was great. And that sat very well with me. I was like, yeah, that feels really real. <laughs> um, And... Uh, I can't remember how long it was before we started doing it in rehearsal, but about halfway through the rehearsal process, I went to the stage manager's house and um, she covered me in blood in her garden, <laughs> yes, basically. And we kind of spent an hour like cooking it up on the stove, and it was it was just um, you know stage blood, synthetic blood. Um, but we were like, what if we cooked corn flour into it? Would that make it gungier? <laughs> and then a flatmate stood on the roof and literally yeah, like poured yeah. blood off the roof onto me in her <laughs> garden, and the whole garden was covered in blood. <laughs> it was like it was.
2: <laughs> Huge. It's a destructive show. It it's just damages property.
4: Show. Um, and that was like okay. So it's one thing having like hours to mentally prepare for it and like doing it in someone's garden, and then having to do it every night. Six? You know, how many shows did we do? I think six, six. in the end. Yeah. yeah. Six That was a lot. And yeah. and and once we got into the space, it was really interesting because there were you know specific ways I had to <laughs> I had to run off, and people yeah. were opening curtains for me, so I didn't touch anyone, <laughs> and I didn't touch anything, and and it was cold as well that was obviously because limited Mm. time and resources there was no way of kind of making it comfortable body temperature (laughs) so it was just like harrowing (laughs) you know two litres of blood (gasps) in a water bottle that had been put in a bucket and poured on my head oh my gosh I
2: remember watching you do it the first time in the theatre in in one of the rehearsals running up to the show and I really I think after it happened I just felt this weight lift off my shoulders because I think all of us had been thinking is this going to work is this going because you know if that had ruined your costume you know we had a few alternate costumes but if it ruined the costume if it ruined your mic equipment you know there were so many things that, mm-hmm. that could have gone horribly wrong and I, I think I remember watching it and it looking really good and just being like oh thank goodness it works so
4: there was a great thing actually <laughs> on, on the night that Lindsay Haley came to see yes. sorry spoilers um she, she came up to me afterwards and she was like you did it with real blood how are you doing that? <laughs> and, I was, and I very truthfully said to her that our lovely uh, sound engineer covered my microphone in condoms yeah, uh, yeah. That's <laughs> it in it. yeah. top
5: secret trick yeah. and we got lucky yeah. that the
4: dress was very washable
5: yeah, yeah. yeah. that was like magic dress, magic dress. how that did magic that come dress. out like seven times or whatever yeah. <laughs> I
2: think it's testament you know we had such a lovely crew and production team who just worked on all sorts of solutions to all sorts of things mm-hmm. to make it to make that work Um, this might we might have covered that but what were your favourite moments from the show or the process as a whole Ellie
5: oh my gosh that is a good question Um, I had the best time overall just the absolute best 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 time Um, I think in any show my favourite moments are a lot of the ensemble stuff but Sue doesn't actually do a lot of the ensemble (laughs) stuff with everyone else and I missed that but it meant that like in as an opening number which is epic (laughs) was um, just so much fun and I loved that every single night and in a way I wish it wasn't the opening number because it was just over so quickly Um, but another thing that I loved so much was working with Tommy, Adam, he was just such a lovely partner and we get on so well and even now like we're such good friends and it would just make the experience so nice Um, and yeah I think those two things are probably the standouts but the whole experience from start to finish was a dream come yeah. true I we don't... love adam we, we do love adam. Adam. Appreciation Society. our first, <laughs> our Aww. first Aww. northern tommy ross
2: and sadie what about you what are your kind of standout moments i suppose
4: oh uh, i mean i love i love kind of like ellie the bits where everyone comes together and i think <laughs> a real highlight for me was the sits probe was the band call yeah because it was we'd spent by that point, a couple of weeks doing the real nitty gritty stuff, kind of really getting into the detail of it. And then it's so wonderful, that feeling of, you know, you finally have like a full band in the room, everyone's mic'd up and you can just hear everyone absolutely playing yes. it. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. And like the opening, those opening notes of uh, of In, yes. which I, again, I was always really jealous because I didn't get to do any of that. <laughs> yeah. And I thought In was the coolest number. And then the beginning of Eve, Eve was weak as well. And <laughs> it's, it's just, oh, it's just iconic. Yeah. And like Nino just Always nailed it and it was. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, Watching you and so Nina cool. sing opposite each other, like I'd be
5: mouth open, like this is just <laughs> insanely good. Mm. And the Sits Probe really highlighted that. Yeah, it's really lovely. Definitely. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It was honestly as an audience member as
3: well. It, the the power of, of the, the vocal power collectively was really affecting, and like the bride was like an old swimming pool. Isn't yeah. It, isn't yeah. It? yeah, yeah. But <laughs> the acoustic really it was it was gorgeous. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, so, you mentioned that you did have uh, a couple of special special visitors. We might have <laughs> who, who yes. came
5: to see it. Who came to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, the lovely original Carrie, Ooh. Lindsay Haley, came to see it, as well as a few other original cast members. Um,
4: Kenny and Michelle. Yeah. Oh, um, incredible. It, yeah, it was so lovely, so lovely to have them there. And they were so generous in their feet. Mm-hmm, they kind of mm-hmm. stood around with us all afterwards with me still covered in pants. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And kind of um, did a bit of a debrief with us and talked a bit about their experience. It was just, yeah, it was a bit of a dream come true. It was. It really was. Exciting. And
5: it was so nice to see, like, they stayed friends for so long. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that will I think that will be the same um for our production that I can see myself staying friends with um the gang for quite quite a long time. Mm. Um, I don't know what it is about the show. Mm. Bonds made for life. Well we've
2: said <laughs> this a few going. times on, on the podcast, you know, whatever experiences different casts of Carrie have, whether they're bad or good, often they come out the other end of the, the process with this very kind of close friendship. Mm-hmm. And um it's it's really interesting to hear you say that. I was gonna ask you just before we let you go, what you think you take away from this experience.
5: This this sounds really naff, but I feel like doing Carrie is the most like present I've been on stage. And I'm usually someone that is really in my head and like analysing as I go along. But with Carrie I just completely let go, I was completely in the moment and I had the best time and it's on stage i enjoyed every moment and that is something that i'm going to carry i carry Yay. 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 Yeah. To, to other shows to just yeah. stay as present as possible don't over analyze things sometimes what you do is going to be rubbish and that's all right but in the end it will come out well and i think that is something that i'm going to take away with me um yeah
1: hmm.
4: yeah i think not not too different
1: actually mm-hmm. like
4: i think there's so much in playing I don't there's the classic my mother thing when um she came to see it she said well it's really it's amazing to see you play against type <laughs> 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 and normally I play the kind of the flirty one or the or the bitchy one <laughs> and it was really it was a real like challenge for me to play the underdog and the and also the kind of really emotionally mm-hmm. kind of complicated one mm. and I think that was a, a real A challenge for me that I could, like, take a lot away from and and also kind of the literal, kind of the vocal challenge as well. It gave me a lot of confidence and I could, like, Mm -hmm. feel my voice develop as we rehearsed and that was really exciting. Um, And just the kind of social element as well. I've never felt so plugged into a cast and so kind of part Mm -hmm. of it all and... And that's hard to do when you're playing Carrie, especially (laughs) because they have so many rehearsals without you. And there's there's so much there's so much that is really kind of different and divided among the cast. And you're just having totally different experiences, as I said before. Um, But it was really wonderful. It was a really wonderful time. Yeah, it was.
2: Well, thank you both so much, not only for coming today, but for all of the work you threw into that show. It was I know how you know it was a challenge but it was so much fun to do it with you guys so thank thank you you. thank thank
3: you so so much no thank thank you So amazing that Lindsay and Kenny and Shelley came along.
2: It was so nice to see them, and I, I was sitting a few rows behind them, and I was like, "Oh God, what do they think about it? Oh do they hate God, it? Yeah. Are they going to leave at the interval?" But they were so nice; they, oh. they stuck around and had a lovely chat with us all. And yeah, the nice, the nicest people. They in are the lovely, world. aren't they? Yeah, absolutely lovely. Well, thank you um to Sadie and Ellie for coming thank you. in. It's so nice to see them. Um and thank you of course to the rest of of the company right mm-hmm. uh, they were so amazing to work with it was it was as i say it was an amazing experience mm. and a real kind of bucket list thing for me to do
3: Yeah Now talking of cast members from the original production you mentioned earlier that you got to meet even more people from the carryverse while you were writing the book who were some of your favorites
2: Oh wow well i mean it was great to speak to i mean i spent a lot more time speaking to Dean mm-hmm. and of course um The other two writers of the show, Michael Gore and and Lawrence D. Cohen, who we weren't able to chat to the first time on the podcast because of their um, schedule, but I got to speak to them for the book, which was fantastic. So it was great to to hear their side of the story um, and speak to a lot more people involved in the music side of things, Mm. which I found really interesting. Um, You know, the original MDs and the original orchestrators, um, lots of people involved in the design of the original production, Mm -hmm. but I always love talking to the cast members and Um, You know, we've spoken to some fantastic people for the podcast as we've gone along. They just all have these incredibly unique experiences and memories. Um, So it was, yeah, it was great to speak to more people who are actually in the show. I loved it. Yeah. Got to catch them all. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Pokemon
3: how many original cast members are in the book?
2: You know what, I was adding them until the very last minute and I was counting up this morning. From the original cast, I think I've included interviews with 18 original cast <laughs> members. That's very impressive. It's quite a lot. And one person that I really loved speaking to um, who we hadn't managed to track down actually for the original podcast episodes but um, I managed to speak to her for the book was a lady called Rosemary Jackson. Mm. Um, and the really interesting thing about Rosemary is that as well as being in the very dance-heavy ensemble... I
3: yeah, Debbie and high kicks yeah
2: high kicks lots of thrusting Mm. as well as doing all of that intensely she was also Lindsay Hately's understudy for the role of Carrie
3: a famously intense vocal and you know acting role exactly
2: so kind of like two massively Mm. um, hardcore roles Um, and although obviously the short run of the show (laughs) meant that she never got to go on as Carrie she did have a really interesting rehearsal process learning her dance role with Debbie Allen and her acting role with Terry Hans
3: really interesting and we're so lucky because Rose agreed To chat to us about her time in the show.
2: We asked Rose, who was just a teenager at the time, how she ended up bagging an audition for Carrie.
3: It's such a brilliant
0: Broadway story
3: involving bumping into Carrie choreographer Debbie Allen in a lift.
0: I was uh, a college student and somehow convinced my mom to let me come to New York to uh, audition and take classes and things of that nature. I got on an elevator going to a class, and uh, Debbie Allen got on the elevator right after me. And I was absolutely speechless. We go up to the. I'm going to like the sixth floor. She got off on maybe the fourth floor, and elevator closed after she got off. And I thought, oh my god, I can't believe I didn't say anything. So I went back down to the floor she got off on, followed her, kind of weaved around until I found out where she was. Slid my resume and picture, a horrible picture and a resume full of lies, under the um, under the door and. I don't know who opened the door and said, is this yours? And I said, yes, would you please give that to Miss Allen? And he did. And she, I I stood there for a minute. They closed the door. I stood there for a minute and nothing happened. So as I was beginning to walk away, um, the young man opened the door and said, we're in a meeting right now, but she wants you to come to, and it was the address of the audition that was happening in like four days. For Carrie. I didn't even know what it was for. I didn't even care what it was for, but I was going to show up to that audition. So I went to the audition and everything went well. Then I didn't hear anything for like two years. It went, it went completely quiet, but I was thrilled I had at least gotten the opportunity to dance in front of Debbie Allen.
2: Now, as we know from our many hours of discussion, the original producers of Carrie dropped out around this point Mm -hmm. and there was a real struggle to raise enough funds to get the show up and running.
3: It wasn't exactly classic Broadway fare.
2: Meanwhile, everyone who auditioned in New York was left without any closure. Rose went and got a job on a cruise ship as a dancer and during this time, Terry Hans signed up to direct Carrie. A new producer was found and things got back on track.
0: Two years later, I'm on a cruise ship dancing and... Um, My mother calls me from Louisiana and says, J.B. Allen just called. And I went, no way. And she said, yeah, they they want you to get off the boat and meet them in in England. And I went, no way. I got off the boat in Barbados and flew to Britain and there you go. What's more incredible, in my opinion, is they could have hired any dancer from New York. I mean, certainly there were a billion amazing dancers in the city. The fact that she remembered me was crazy and that she had to literally hunt me down. And they paid for me to get to Britain. They had already been in rehearsals like two weeks. So I would have probably replaced me 10 times in two weeks. But they, she just, they stuck with it until I could get my things together and get off the boat and get, get to, to, you know, London. So suddenly, Rose
3: found herself in the slightly less glamorous location of a West London rehearsal room, with the cast split down the middle between Americans and Brits.
2: Putney is very similar to a Caribbean cruise, just in terms of the vibe.
3: Mm, absolutely, yeah. probably a bit of a culture shock, especially because we know how intense those dance rehearsals were.
0: I was well, I was already late, so I was in a panic. I had to play catch up the entire time. Rehearsals were everything you'd expect a Debbie Allen rehearsal to be. They were grueling. They were long. um, They were meticulous. They were fun as hell, though. I mean, I don't think I've ever had that much fun on a job in my life. Everybody was just so young and excited and enthusiastic about the possibility of this thing that we were creating. The divide disappeared almost immediately because we had so much in common. We were all young and enthusiastic. We were all hungry we were all just these amazing dancers who really wanted to do this thing really really well
2: now as well as having to master Debbie Allen's intense choreography Rose had another interesting challenge
0: all of the understudies were a part of the ensemble one day Terry Hans just called me in and said I'd like you to sing the song and I start singing I did the song and he said okay You're going to be Carrie's understudy. And I was like, cool. Of course, Lindsay's never going to get sick, but this is awesome. And um, so the time was divided a lot when I was doing my ensemble work for the most part. And then I would go after the ensemble was released and catch up on the Carrie part. So, or sometimes Lindsay had an interview or Lindsay had a fitting or whatever it was. I would jump in and do blocking so that we could kind of keep keep the ball moving forward. And then run back and teach it to Lindsay. So it was a lot of juggling.
3: What did she think about Terry Hans's infamous classical vision for the show? What
0: a nice man. He was just a gentle, kind man. Very um, clear on his vision. Even though it went over many people's heads, including mine, most of the time. But he was very clear about what he wanted. And we were going to work toward that thing. Whatever his vision was, that's what we were going to work toward. I totally trusted him. I know I did. We didn't understand a whole lot of things, but we were young and if we were going to wear these Greek-looking costumes, I guess that's what we were doing. You know, we just, I think as a cast, the younger people just trusted the powers that be. We trusted Dean and the music and the score and we just trusted them, as bizarre as it was.
2: What does Rose remember most about the experience?
0: It was all just a party. It was a rehearsal. And then a party every single day. I could literally, I could do the show tomorrow. Uh, That's how embedded in my brain it is. Um, It really, really is. It had quite an impact. And I think because I got to do both sides, I got to be the ensemble and have the fun and do all the high school shenanigans and be Carrie. I think that's why it kind of just sticks in my brain. So because both were completely different experiences. All the musical numbers stick out. Every single one of them. I just thought the music was so good and fun. And I go back now and I think about the lyrics and I'm like, oh my gosh. We were promoting the worst things on the planet. The opening number literally, I mean, if to by today's standards, you can't go up to a young person and say you need to be thinner. You need to be thinner or the boys won't like you. Rose formed a very
3: special relationship with Darlene Love, who was playing gym teacher Miss Gardner.
0: When I arrived at the show, I was late, two weeks late, completely behind and every way. And I was a train wreck. Every I would do, they would go right, I would go left. And I would hear this laughter in the back, in the corner, but it wasn't a laugh at you kind of laugh. It was a, oh, how cute is this child? Just kind of laughter. And that was the first day I was there. And I had to stay after to try to catch up. And she stayed. I didn't know why, but she stayed. And just sort of was encouraging and really, really just sweet. And then when I was done, She walked me to the apartment and she became my mom almost immediately. Like, she's my mom.
2: They're still incredibly close and Rose still works with Darlene whenever she needs any choreography or movement for her concerts.
0: I don't even think about it as work because she's literally, my daughter knows her as grandma. yeah yeah but we have worked together I think she she saw just completely how young and inexperienced and I think she just literally said let me take this poor child before something happens to her she I remember her saying to me when we walked to the apartment the very first day child where's your coat so sweet
3: so what has she taken away from working on Carrie all these years later how did Carrie change her life
0: gave me a career. Um, I knew it was what I always wanted to do. I probably would have, it probably would have taken me a lot longer uh, to get here and get started. I don't know a bunch of people who just kind of plop into a Broadway show. It was such an amazing experience because it wasn't just Broadway, it took me overseas and the whole the whole picture of it just was beyond. I think that being Carrie's understudy and being a part of the ensemble gave me perspective on a lot of levels. It it set the standard for me. And I'm gonna say just this one little thing because it sounds sounds crazy, but as many things as can be said about Carrie, the standard was always really, really high. From the musicians to the director, everybody had this really high expectation of how you were gonna show up in the room. And if you're gonna be a part of a flop, (laughs) go big
2: amazing stories right
0: incredible well
2: thank you so much to rose for sharing those brilliant memories you know what i think it's about time that we wrapped up i think someone needs to use this studio for another podcast what's theirs about i think i heard them saying it's a 10 parter about the thought process behind casting cheryl cole in 222 a ghost story
3: niche but those in glass houses (laughs) so and irene we would go bowling if you really cared (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> I think he's saying he doesn't understand the reference well, he should
3: listen to the bloody podcast then pipe it he? into his
2: brain, there's still time <laughs> well that's about it for now from us other than to say one last happy birthday Carrie the musical mm. oh and Tom Yes,
3: happy birthday, yeah. thank you for changing lives not, not you, Tom, and Carrie the musical. <laughs> Is that too much? I don't think
2: so. We heard from so many people involved in the different versions of the show about how it changed both their professional and personal lives.
3: And remember that gorgeous bonus episode with all the fans talking about oh, how the show yeah. had impacted them? I think we should raise a toast to Carrie.
2: There's never been a musical like her. Cheers!
3: Cheers! See you in around 35 years. So February... 2058.
2: I thought we were going to do this again in the summer.
3: Oh, yeah. And we'll probably be dead in 35 years.
2: Oh, God. But <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, fair enough. Yeah. Maybe. Let's say the summer for now, then, not 2058. Let's 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 go for a few months.
3: About down. Buy the book.
2: Oh, God, yeah, thanks.
3: Yeah. See you in the summer.
2: Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed Out for Blood, please leave us a lovely review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us reach more and more people in the future. You can also go back and find some great pictures and videos from our previous episodes on our socials at Out for Blood podcast on Instagram and Facebook and Out for Blood pod on Twitter.
3: Out for Blood was hosted and produced by me, Holly Morgan. And me,
2: Chris Adams.
3: Sound engineering and editing by Tom Moores. Paddy Jervis is our audio consultant. Original music by Odin orn Hillmarson
2: artwork by Rebecca Pitts, and childcare by Richard Hawkins. <laughs> Against his will. <laughs> Thanks again to our guests today, Sadie Kempner and Ellie McWilliams, and of course, the lovely Rosemary Jackson. Out for Blood is a proud member of the Broadway Podcast Network. What sort
3: of podcast do they specialise in?
2: Broadway, baby.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Right, I'm off to Stratford to catch a matinee of Othello. Luckily, it's only 23 minutes away on the tube.
2: Um, uh, uh, no. Bye! Bye. Why is your baby not called Tommy Ross? (laughs)
1: 18 plus.